Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Good Podcast, the podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche. Uh, welcome back if you've been here before, and welcome if you haven't. Um, those of you know me, some of you know me already. My name is Michael Bath. Uh, I'm based here in Bahrain at the moment. Um, from originally from Sydney, Australia. Um, that's just a little bit of a quick intro for people who haven't been here before, but basically, uh, we're just Porsche enthusiasts here. We're not experts. We don't uh, we don't sort of uh, pretend to know everything. Uh, and I say we, and it used to be we, but you know, today it's a bit of a weird day. I was I was having second thoughts about doing this podcast, and um, having second thoughts because my co-host, as he likes to be known by, Steve, uh, is gone. He's gone. He hasn't gone for good. Um, you know this already if you listened to last week's episode and the episode before. He hasn't gone for good. He's on maternity leave. His wife's about to have a baby, so it's a pretty exciting time for Steve. And and really, he doesn't he, he doesn't have the time at the moment to be to be sitting here chatting with me. And that's that's understandable. Uh, it's not that he doesn't doesn't want to. He just purely doesn't have the time. It's a it's a really busy time for him. So anyway, so Steve's gone for a few weeks. Um, I'm not sure whether or not, and I'm going to get straight into this, and I know some of you are going to be a little bit upset with me about it, but I'm not 100% sure if I'll keep going with the Friday episode for the next few weeks, um, only because, like I said, Steve's not here. I'm in the middle of, well, I'm going to be in the middle of in March moving um, moving um, stuff here in Bahrain. Um, so everything's going to get a little bit hectic. If you like this episode today, send me a DM on Porsche Cooled. Uh, if you don't know what Porsche Cooled is, that's my Instagram. It's the best one to go to, I guess, for the podcast. But if you go to Porsche Cooled, I'm also michael.bath if you want to go to that one. But I've got a few Instagrams. But Porsche Cooled is a good one because I know it's related to the podcast. Send me a DM. Tell me if you like this episode. Tell me if you want to, me to still do these episodes where I'm just chatting with you guys. Uh, like I said, Steve's not here. I did um, toss up the idea with um, a couple of people about having a stand-in host with me. Um, I'm not, and this is no offense to the people who I've reached out to, this is no offense to them at all, but I, I don't really want to, you know, Friday's episode is about me and Steve, so if I do another episode, I think it has to be slightly different. Um, I don't want it to confuse, you know, what the podcast is all about. Um, as you know, on Tuesdays, it's owner's stories. And owner's stories is, you know, something I've been really, really enjoying. And I know I've got, I really do have a backlog of people to record at the moment. Um, I've had so many people approach me. And I know some of you are waiting for me to come back still. And I've said I'm going to record an episode. I haven't forgotten about you. But it really has got to the point where... I have so many people like, uh, you know, the last week I did three people in one week. Um, this week, um, I've been so busy with work and other things, I haven't actually recorded any. I've got a couple of people lined up for the end of the week. So I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll do those, have those chats with those um, Porsche owners, one in the UK and one in Norway. Actually, I've got three, one in the UK, one in Norway and one in Australia. So I will um, do those recordings. So it's, you know, like I said before, it's a lot of work. I don't mind doing it. I enjoy it. The chat's good. The editing's a bit boring, I have to say. I'm not a big fan of editing podcasts, um, but I love the chat and the editing I just do late at night and I sit here with my cup of coffee or my glass of wine and I just edit it. It takes me a couple of hours, but, you know, I grumble about it, about editing, because I just find editing just a chore. It's weird. I actually find that the editing process for a video for my YouTube channel, when I was making videos, which I'm going to start making again, you know, I find editing a video just so much easier than editing a podcast. Um, maybe it's the time frame, the time, the duration. 
uh, you know, video on YouTube is, you know, 10 minutes and you might have 30 minutes of footage. Where here, the, you know, the episode is an hour and you've, you've got to go through the whole thing a couple of times just to get it right and get the levels right and take out any weird gaps or try and fix up any sound issues, audio issues that you have with the recording. Because as you know, with um, uh, owner stories and with Steve as well, it's, it's done through Zoom. Uh, we thank Zoom for being around because I don't know how we would have done this without Zoom. Um, but it, it does have its limitations, um, but it does um, also help us at the same time. So that's about it. Like I said, let me know on DM. Send me a DM on Porsche Cooled. Um, let me know if you like these single chats with me. I mean, like I said, I might, I might change it slightly. I haven't had time to think about it this week, and I think that's the problem. And I don't want to let you guys down. I want to give you two podcasts a week, but I don't know how to do it. I'm trying to work out how to do it, and I really haven't had a time had time this week to think about how to do it. Um, but I will work it out, and I, I do apologize for that. It's really bad that I haven't sorted it out because you know I just want to give you guys two episodes a week. <clears throat> but we have the the owners' stories, and also with the owners' stories, I don't know. I don't really want to put out two owners' stories a week because I like having the one owners' story. I mean, I could just make Friday's episode another owners' stories, but I like to you know I think it's important that each owner has the week. For people to listen to it. I know everyone's busy, even though we're still in the pandemic and, you know, some countries are worse than others and, and all of that. But, you know, I want, I don't want someone to be missed because there's two owner stories in a week. I want the week to, so people have that time to appreciate it, to listen to it because they're great stories. Um, everyone that's come on the podcast, I've really enjoyed talking to similar and different at the same time. And everyone that's coming on owner stories, you know, the one thing that Maybe I forget to say at the end of the podcast is that I really, really appreciate it because it is an hour and a half out of your time. You know, the podcast goes for an hour, but we usually have a chat for a few minutes before and most of the times we chat afterwards. So it's, you know, an hour and 15 to an hour and a half out of your time, you know, and everyone enjoys it. And at the end, most people, you know, I think everyone has said, you know, that was a really great, it was really good to talk about Porsche for an hour. So, you know, but you're giving up your time. I really do appreciate it. And like I said, everyone else that's been waiting for me to record them, I'm getting around to it. I will get to you. And and the problem is, <laughs> the problem is, is the list keeps growing longer. Um, so every week I get more and more people. I think I've had another three or four people this week already um, approach me to do an owner's story. So I know some of them I haven't got back to yet, but you know, it, it's, it's been, it's been unbelievable. It's been so popular. So what else has happened during the week? So let's start the podcast. Let's just do it as we usually do. I don't have Steve to go backwards and forwards here, but let's just let's just go let's just go uh, into our usual um, format. Um, I just want to thank you know as I always do. I want to thank the Patreon, uh, the Porsche exclusive members on Patreon. I think we have twenty one members now. Um, those members are paying a monthly fee each month. Um, they get to listen to the episode uh, twenty four hours in advance, but. Ultimately, it's supporting the podcast. Um, this podcast is not sponsored. It's not monetized in any way. Patreon is the only form of, um, I guess, reward that we get apart from chatting to you guys and meeting all my new friends around the world. Um, it just helps us support the podcast. It was really just to buy equipment. That was how I thought of it. It was not not as an income, not as anything else. Um, I appreciate every do- every membership from the two dollar up until the ten dollar. There's two, five, and ten at the moment. Uh, I did I did tweak that a little bit a few months ago. But if you join uh, Porsche Cooled Exclusive or Porsche Cooled Exclusive Plus on Patreon, it really helps us. There's also a $2 membership, um, which you can join to Porsche Cooled Base. Um, so if, if you go over there, just go over to Patreon, search Porsche Cooled. The link is in this podcast as well. 
any support is is greatly appreciated. Um, so that's where it is with Patreon. Oh, there's one new member actually. Uh, and I haven't written it down because I only saw it pop up this morning. So you're going to have to excuse me while I go to my computer. So Lloyd is a new member on uh, Porsche Cooled Exclusive. So thank you, Lloyd, for joining. I don't know anything about Lloyd at the moment. I haven't actually messaged him. I will message him later today. And next week I'll mention what he drives if he has a Porsche or he's looking for a Porsche. But thank you, Lloyd. Uh, thank you for the support and thank you for um, joining Porsche Cooled Exclusive. That's fantastic. All right, so that's it for that's it for Patreon, um, and also um, Porsche Cooled owner stories, like I was just talking about. We forgot, I haven't mentioned yet this week's owner story, and this week's owner story was um, with Elliot. Elliot's based in Seattle, in Washington, in the U.S. Um, Elliot was a good one because Elliot has a 992, and as you know, we've you know I, I've really only had uh, I've had air cooled, I've had three five sixes, you know, we've had. Boxsters, you know, uh, we're going to have Caymans, um, you know, we've had 997s. We haven't had a 992. So it was great when Elliot reached out to me um, and and said he's just, he's ordered his dream car, his 992 Carrera S. He, he, specced, he specced it really, really well. It's a really well optioned. I have to say I'm, I'm envious because as much as I love colors in in 911s, and I know I'm going to sound boring, and Elliot was saying he got a bit of flack too, is that he got it in GT Silver. But GT Silver to me is just it's just such an iconic Porsche color. And you know what? I probably would still be tempted to get it in GT Silver. Um, like I said, he optioned it really well. Uh, he's got the manual transmission, which apparently is fantastic. And all reviews about the manual transmission on the 992 GT2 say the same. It's a good story. Have a listen to it. It you know it starts off with Elliot and his you know diecast models, and it starts off, and then it you know about his the, the sad passing of his father, but his father how he bought you know muscle uh, a Mark One Mustang, and he had you know American muscle car. I think Elliot Elliot said in his words you know he's from an American muscle car family. You know he bought a Panamera. He had a Panamera for his car, which he needed a reliable car because he commutes to work. He's a critical care doctor. Uh, you know dealing with COVID patients at the moment. So it's, you know, it's a pretty stressful job, but he had a Panamera and it, it, it was unreliable. Um, but that didn't deter Elliot from looking at, still looking at Porsche, still thinking Porsche is a reliable brand, but he looked at the 911 and, you know, as we always say, with, with his wife's approval, he ordered, he, he got a build slot, he did, he did the option, he specified it exactly how he wanted it. And you know what? He's got a great car and it looks fantastic. So go and follow um Go and follow Elliot. He's on Instagram. It's 992.c2s, 992.c2s. Go and follow Elliot. Say hello. Uh, if you've been on Owner Stories before, give him a follow and uh, have a chat with him because he's a really, uh, Elliot's a really great guy. Um, so, you know, it's just interesting though. It doesn't matter what generation of the 911 we have. You know, the week before I was talking to um, Mark and then I was talking to, you know, Stephen with the box, you know, with the Boxster. It doesn't matter what Porsche we have or what generation of 911 we have. It, it's so clear that the stories that we share and the way we go through everything. And it's, also, it's not really, it doesn't matter what your budget is. You know, the process that we go through is very similar. You know what I mean? It's very similar. You know, you might be able to afford a, a 992 or a new GT3, or you might not be able to afford only a, you know, a, a, a 986 Boxster for 15,000 in the US or, a, you know, it doesn't really matter. The process is still pretty much the same. You know, some of us, you know, we skip some of the steps because, you know, the price 
kind of makes us skip some of the checking steps or sometimes it doesn't. You know, how bad can it be sort of thing, as Magnus Walker says. But, you know, in general, the way we do things is very similar. You know, it's a common thread. And I think that's what's great about owner stories that we all can relate to the to everyone else's um, journey. And uh, that's what I like about it anyway. Um, so I wanted to make a little comment because I was listening to um, Spike's Car Radio. I was listening to Spike's Car Radio and how they joke about where they're number one. And I know I've had this conversation about being number one with other people, but and this is not this is not in boasting a Porsche Cool podcast. This is not in boasting you know where we are. But I thought it was quite interesting the countries, and this is on a thing called Chartable. They have the um, Apple Podcast stats, and I think other companies do it as well. But you can see the Apple Podcast stats, and you can see where you sit in automotive in Apple in certain countries, like you number one or you number one hundred. So. Before I got on the podcast this morning, it's Wednesday here, as you know, I record this on Wednesday for Friday. Um, we were number one in Costa Rica, number one in Bahrain again, which wasn't a couple of days ago. Uh, and I just want to do a shout out for the one in Bahrain. Uh, who was it? Ahmed. Ahmed sent me a uh, DM on Instagram saying he's the one responsible for the number one spot in Bahrain. So thank you, Ahmed. Much appreciated. Uh, and thanks for listening from Bahrain. If there's anyone else that listens to Bahrain, send me a DM on Porsche Cool. Tell me that you're in Bahrain. I'm really interested to know how many people out there are actually um, listening. It'd be really, really cool because to get to number one, you have to have a certain amount of listeners who are actually, you know, tuning in. Number two in Lithuania, uh, maybe number one is Spike, I think, because I think Spike was saying that Spike's Car Radio was saying they were number one in Lithu- Lithuania. Number two in Malaysia. So they're the main ones. Other charts, like I said, US, UK, and Australia are all really good. Uh, US is hard to break the top 50. I think we're in the top 50 at the moment. Um, but that's due to you guys, and that's due to the support, and that's due to all of you guys um, rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, like I said, on Apple Podcasts, it's a bit of a clumsy interface for this rating and reviews. Um, it's country dependent. So, you know, if you go onto iTunes in UK, you'll only see the people who have given a review out of the UK. If I go to my iTunes in Australia, I can see the ones out of Australia because my iTunes is linked to my Australian address. But I can see all of them on, on my stats, so I can see all the reviews. So it really does help. Um, we've had about 100 now, 50, I can't remember. We've had quite a lot anyway of rating and reviews. So if you don't have the time to write a review, just give us a star rating. Uh, all these things... It's all this algorithm rubbish that, that all these, these social things have. It, it purely just makes us get seen. It comes up in more in people's search results. So instead of Spike's Car Radio coming up as the number one Porsche podcast, then, you know, uh, Porsche Cool will come up. So that's, that's what it is. If you've got time to write a review, write a review. would be fantastic. So usually in these podcasts when I write my note, I call them Michael's Chatter. Uh, I call it Steve's Chatter and Michael's Chatter. It's just like a reminder, a, a reminder point list that I have to um to remember what to talk about and to remember to see what Steve has to talk about and you know a lot of the time Steve and I we have notes and Steve and I do the notes we might do just brief notes in the morning we have a shared note on Apple because we both use Apple so we have these notes and we just go through them and things we see during the week things that are interesting um so that's that's where that comes from um like I said no Steve chatter this week because uh Steve's not here it's very weird. It's very weird. I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast because it is a bit weird. Um, I'm back to talking to myself again. This is where it all started. Uh, back to talking to myself again. I'm just looking at the notes actually to see if Steve put anything else onto the notes. Oh, the one thing that came up during the week, and you know, I think I've spoken about this before, 
Um, I really do think I've spoken about this before, about the synthetic fuel. And I noticed someone else posted it as well. But I've, I think in an earlier podcast, now I may have skipped over it. I may not have even mentioned it, but I did have it noted in a previous podcast to talk about. Um, I think it was done through mobile. I think Porsche were doing it through mobile. But basically it's just so, you know, um, in, internal combustion engine cars can be as clean as EVs. You know what I mean? So there's a synthetic fuel that Porsche is working on. They're not the only ones that are working on synthetic fuels. Other car manufacturers are. Um, it's a pretty interesting project. It means that, you know, buying a buying a GT3 or, you know, driving in GTS now or your Carrera S, you know that in years to come, you know, you're still going to be able to get a fuel. Um, they're calling them e-fuels, you know, they're I think they're hydrogen, they're renewable, they're, you know, they're good for the environment, um, they, they reduce, they reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions, etc. Um, yeah, I think McLaren's developing one, I think I read. There's, there's quite a few car manufacturers that are, that are develop them, developing them. Um, but anyway, I think they said at the GT3 launch, uh, at the recent launch of the GT3, that... Um, the president of the motorsport division, who was Frank, isn't it? Frank, I can't remember his last name. He said that they're going to have a test batch in um, 2022 of the e-fuel. I think it was about 100,000 litres or something or 150,000 litres of fuel that they'll have ready by 2022. So it's pretty pretty exciting project. It's pretty exciting for us, you know, who don't want to get into electric cars and are worried about our, you know, how's our car going to run in the future if, if all emission emissions and rulings get so much heavier, you know, smog rules and all of that. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good introduction. It's a good thing. I'm glad Porsche are doing it. They're not forgetting about its original customers. They're not just thinking about, you know, EV they are um, thinking about the future and thinking about the future for, you know, internal combustion uh, engine cars as well. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because someone sent me a message about it, but I had actually seen it before. Uh, where else? Where else? The GT3, you know, like last week's episode with Steve, we talked about the GT3. Um, you'd have to be living under a rock if you missed it. The GT3 was released last week uh, in shark blue. Um, my initial impressions is I liked it. I liked it. I think Steve didn't like the, the dips in the bonnet. Um, I like how they've introduced carbon fiber to it. I like how it is a little bit more flashier and we did go over that. It is a little bit more motorsport derived. It is a bit more racier. Um, but then again, maybe when the touring comes out, it'll be better. You know, I thought that I thought I liked it and I still do like it. But I have to admit, I saw the images, and I think Steve sent me the image too. I think a couple of people sent me the image. Uh, there's a painter sample silver color that's on the internet. And I think it's AP's car, uh, head of head of uh, GT at Porsche, Andreas Prudinger. I think it's his car, actually. Um, and I don't know what it was, but seeing this image, and this is not a press image, this is obviously just his image of the car, it looked heavy to me at the back. It looked... And I'm going to contradict myself because last week I said how it looked very clean and and the and the spoiler and the wing, sorry, the new uh, swan neck wing was very well integrated and how it you know worked really well. I don't know in the silver, and I don't know what you guys think if you've seen it. Have a look at uh, Andreas Prudinger's um, AP's uh, Instagram. It's a picture on it. It's uh, unusual silver. It almost looks a bit look like that silver which I can't remember the name of the silver that has the blue through it. I can't remember the name of the silver, but it looks like that silver. Um, 
But anyway, the back elevation to me looks really heavy. Uh, and I have to go back to the press release car. And, you know, Porsche really, they do these things for a reason. And they pick colors for a reason. They pick release colors for a reason. I have a funny feeling they picked that shark blue. And remember, that stage where it's relaunched, it's very dark. There's lots of blue. It's all, everything kind of blends in a little bit. Um, and when you see the wing on the blue, it looks, to me, it looked really cool. It looked integrated. It looked you know, more resolved than the ones on the 991 and even 997 and 996. Now I've seen the silver, um, and I'd be interested to know what you guys think. Now I've seen the silver, I'm not so sure. So then it comes back to the point about the GT3 being a little bit too racy, a little bit too motorsport derived, a little bit too of a race car, a track car. Um, And I think it comes back to the point where I think, you know, for me, and I think a lot of people as well, is that you'll start to think, well, hang on, Maybe the Touring is what I want here. You know, maybe the Touring is going to be the one in this in this model range. Um, you know, it's weird though they shift the market, you know, because this is more motorsport derived and more racier, more flashy in a way, you know, the biggest one net wing and the more motorsport elements. I mean, obviously it's going to be a great driver's car for people that want that. But then, you know, your borders shift, your borders change, they move. Um, so people who want the GT3, maybe there's a lot of people who wanted the GT3 and now they see the 992 and they go, oh, that's a bit too hardcore for me. You know, it's like that story that Steve told a, a couple of times when his uncle went to buy a GT3 years ago and they said, oh, it's not really for you. I, I don't know what Porsche are doing and it worries me a little bit because the board, if the if the gateposts, the goalposts change, you know, the amount of people, you know, that that whole group of people that bought a GT3, it shifts. So there's a group of people now that, that no longer want the GT3, so the amount of people that want a GT3 gets smaller. But then when you get to the GT3 RS, you know, there's only a certain level, you know, from 1 to 100, if you're moving the, if you're moving the, the lines, you're moving the two lines, you're moving them up, you're eventually going to get to a point where there's no one left. Um, so it does worry me a little bit that maybe the GT3 has gone too far. Um, and then I want to come back to the point that if I was looking at a 992 GT3, I think it would it would definitely be the Touring. Now that I've seen that other, other image, and you know, I might change my mind when I see it in the real life, in the street, on the street, at, at the right level, you know, in the right environment in Australia, you've got to see the car in your country because every country, a car looks different, every color looks different. Um, but I think, you know, I don't know, at the moment it's for me, it's the Touring. But then that comes back onto, and a thing I want to talk about at the end of the podcast, it comes back onto, you know, what would you buy? You know what I mean? And I still think, you know, the, the GT3 like Steve has, the 997.1 GT3, even the 0.2 if you can afford it. For me, even though I like the 996.2 GT3, I think the price of 996.2 GT3s has got too high. And I think I'd rather spend a little bit of extra money to go into the 997. Um, ultimately, I still think the 997 GT3 is a better car. Then you've got the, the the then you've got the decision. You know, would you buy the you know the 991? I don't mind how the 991 GT3 looks now. Now I'm looking at the 992 GT3. I I think the 991 GT3 looks quite simple. Um, it didn't when it came out, as Steve reminded me. I remember I saw the first black one on a on an Autohouse Hamilton drive with Steve. There was a black one, and it looks so so out there at the time. I remember, and you know, now it looks a little bit you know doesn't look ordinary. That's for sure, but for me, it's almost like the better alternative. But then we get back to that same situation, like it's like the 997, 996 IMS situation. Would you buy a 0.1 GT3? 
and they're dropping. You know, you can get them in Australia for 220. I saw one the other week for 220. You know, PDK. But would you? You know, it's a lot. That's it's a lot of car for the money. It's a lot of car for the money. Um, yeah, you've got the engine warranty running out after 10 years. So that's what 2013 to 2023. So you know, I think the time to buy them. You know, what's going to happen after that warranty period? I think those prices of 991.1s is going to dive. And I think if it dives, I think even if you have an engine issue, I don't know. I think they could be still a really good purchase, a really good buy. I think it's something to look out for if you, if you want a GT3, especially when it's getting close to that 10-year warranty period. I think it, I mean, I could be wrong here. I thought it was only a 10-year period. So if someone, you know, if, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But I'm, in my mind, in Australia, it was 10 years, that warranty period for the engine, for the, you know, the engine fire thing. But the 991 looks pretty appealing, you know. In fact, it's going to go, it'll probably, it, in fact, you know, it's lower than some 997s, you know, so what do you do? It's, it's, a, it's a tricky situation, it really is. Um, but I think, you know, the 992 GT3 has only made the previous generations look even more appealing in a different way, in their simplicity. You know, it's about their simplicity, that's what I'm trying to get to. Um, so that was just based on, you know, last week's, um, last week's thing. I'm talking about colours. You know, I was talking to Elliot about colors, how he how he went through all the different colors on owner's stories, you know, and he eventually settled with GT Silver. And I said I'd probably be the same, you know, you, you toy with these colors. It's weird, you know, colors really play tricks on you. And it, living here in the Middle East now for the last couple of years, you know, everything's, you know, a lot of things, there's a lot of, there's green, it's not all sand, you know, Bahrain's got trees. Um, but there's a lot, everything's beige, you know, that sort of sandy colored buildings and whatever. So certain cars and the light here, it's always sunny, but it's a different, it's a different brightness here too than Australia. Australia is much brighter than the Middle East. You know, and seeing uh, cloud or crayon here, seeing graphite blue in the 991 here, you know, they look really, really different. They look so different. Um, sometimes the cloud crayon color in the 991, it looks, it looks almost gray in Australia. It doesn't look gray here. Um, it's very, very weird. So, you know, that's a, that's a really important thing when you're specking a color for your car that you, you know, it, it helps if you can see it in your environment because it does change. Yesterday I was going for a run um, and there's the traffic control place here near where I live where I think they have accidents and stuff, you know, traffic authority or something like that. There's a lot of government offices around here uh, where I live in Bahrain. And there was a, a Cabriolet, a 991 Cabriolet, and it's in golf blue. Now, a Golf Blue, this is the thing about Bahrain, you know, there's so many Porsches in special colors. Now, in my memory, I've never ever seen a Golf Blue 991 Cabriolet, um, you know, and the blue look fantastic here. You know, Golf Blue is a tricky color. You know, you see it in, you know, I haven't seen many of them. I think I've seen one or two, but it's a tricky color. And in Bahrain, it, it worked. But, you know, someone has actually specified it in a Cabriolet, in a 991 Cabriolet. You know, it's not... This is the thing here. People specify these colors in not, I'm not going to say it's not special, but not so special models. Uh, I find that pretty interesting. But it was an interesting color and I just wanted to tell you guys because I thought it was um, thought it was pretty interesting. So I woke up this morning and I'm looking at the, the news. I get the news feed from you know, news sources in Australia. And Market Cars, I think it actually sent me this auction. Um, I think it's a Shannon's auction in Australia. I think it was Shannon's. I think he sent it to me because they had a, 
911, a brown 911 or a brown 912, I can't remember. Um, but Mark sends me things every now, now and again, so make sure you follow him too. He's got a really good channel, and he owns a 356, so that's Mark and Cars, and he also has a podcast as well, so check that out on Apple. Um, but there was a 1950s uh, 356A, and you know, the Australian news reports are all over it because it was a, they're calling it a barn find, um, and it was um, completely rusted. You know, it's obviously a big restoration job, and it sold for 230000 um, Australian dollars. So people, you know, these news news reports just can't understand how it could sell for so much because they don't just don't know the value of what Porsches are. But basically, it sold for two hundred and thirty thousand uh, Australian dollars. Um, I don't know whether you're listening, Todd. Todd at Stone City Outlaw. Make sure you follow Todd as well. He's got the three five six project in the works. He's got a really good Instagram. So that's Stone City Outlaw. But yeah, Todd. So it was a nineteen fifties uh, Porsche three five six a Cabriolet. And it sold for 230000 Aussie dollars. Completely rusted, obviously a big project to take on. Uh, but someone's decided that it was worthwhile enough to do and, and someone's bought it. Maybe it could have been an inter- international buyer. I don't know. You know, US dollar is pretty weak against Australian dollar at the moment. So, so it wouldn't have been much less. Uh, it's probably like 190000 US dollars, I think, in, in today's rate. But anyway, I thought that was, uh, that was worth noting. Um, the other thing that I just noticed, uh, Gunther Works, and if you're not familiar with Gunther Works, they're a California-based uh, like tuner company, um, and I guess they sort of compete with Singer. They're newer than Singer. Um, they used to be called, I can't remember who's behind it, the company. What's the company called? It's been around for years. I can't remember it. But, you know, they brought the 993 generation where Singer does the 964 Gunther does the 993, you know, carbon bodies. They're bringing the 993 into the into the new generation, into the new age. You know, I think it built. I think they built around. They built around 25 cars. Let me just see the yeah. They built and sold 25 cars, um, and they've done a follow up to that to that 993 one that they sold. Um, and it's a 993 based speedster, um, and it's pretty. Cool, I have to say. Um, just do a check, check uh, just do a search for it. So it's Gunther Works Speedster. Uh, do a search for it and and have a look and see what you think. But they've added a hard car, co- you know, they've basically followed what Porsche Speedster is, the definition of a Porsche Speedster. They've added a hard cover over the space formerly occupied by the rear seats. Um, they didn't just chop the roof off and that was it. They basically, and I'm reading an article here if you're just wondering, just reading through a bit of an article. Um, it also designed, they redesigned the front bumper, they added new rear lights, they created a deck lid with an integrated spoiler specifically for the Speedster and most of the body panels, of course, are built with carbon fiber and that's what makes Gunther Works pretty, pretty cool. I mean, I think I was listening to a podcast with Farrah and Spike, uh, Smoking Tyre and Spike's Car Radio and... It might have been just Matt Farrer, actually. I think he had the Gunther Works and he drove it. And basically his point was, yes, it is really good. It is special. But the Singer is just that little bit better. The Singer is more bespoke inside. It's more custom, um, more so than the Gunther Works. Now, I don't know whether that's still the case. I think that was a little while ago. Maybe that's changed with the Speedster. Um, but I think price-wise, I think they're pretty comparable between a Singer uh, vehicle design and a Gunther Works uh, 993. Um, but anyway, they've done a speedster. Uh, it's powered by the uh, 4.0-litre flat six, built by Rothsport Racing, uh, 435 horsepower, 350, 335 pound-feet of torque. Not really interested in technical details that much. And they're building 25 units of this 993 speedster, only 25 units. So they did 25 units of the previous car, of the coupe, and they are doing 25 units of a 993 speedster, their Gunther Works speedster. 
basically it's going to cost you, well, they're not telling you how much it's going to cost yet, but the 400R, the previous model, the hardtop, uh, sold for 525,000 US dollars. Now, I think that's before you add extra things on. Um, I think you find that Singer's base price is about that, but people spend another 200,000 odds. So I think Singer's, you don't get out the door for anything under than 750,000 US dollars. So we're talking about top end collectors here. We're talking about people who have you know money to spare. Um, it's nice to look at. It's nice to see what they're doing. I think they do a really good job. I think they really, you know, they really think about Porsche's history and they look at it and it's, you know, I think they do a good job. I think them and Singer obviously are, are you know, you know, something you have to aspire to. I would probably get a Singer first over a Gunther Works, but you know, if you had a good collection, you would get definitely one of each. The thing that I found really interesting is that the official speedsters, the original speedsters, um, I think this article directed to the point that it's it's a bit of a bargain, the price from the Gunther Works. Um, but the, the official speedsters, it says, the first was given to Ferdinand and Alexander Porsche, the son of company founder Ferry Porsche, for his 60th birthday on December the 11th, 1995. And it's part of, now part of the Porsche collection at the Porsche Museum. And it's only got, I think, 1,000 miles or 1,500 miles on it. And then the second example is, was commissioned by Jerry Seinfeld in 2000, where he, and he shipped his 1998 4S Cabriolet back to Porsche and asked them, the company, to transform it into a replica of what was the only 993 Speedster. So Porsche said, yes, it's Jerry Seinfeld. They said, yeah, we'll do that for you, Jerry, no problem. And then that was the second uh, 993 Speedster. Um, the project cost, how much that cost, apparently was never never mentioned anywhere how much he paid for that. I'm sure it was a lot. But, you know, what is that car worth today? I'm guessing he still owns that car. I'm guessing that's one of those cars that he wouldn't sell. The fact that Porsche built this car for you specially, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty special. You know, we keep, having, um, we keep having these conversations in Porsche Good Owner Stories and on the podcast about, you know, not waiting. You know, if you want a Porsche, <clears throat> if you want a 911, don't wait. You know, the longer you wait, the harder it is it's going, going to be to get in. Buy what you can afford now and enjoy it. Um, and I'm not saying anything about Boxsters or Caymans, but I just wanted to think about today, I just want to have a quick chat before before I end this podcast, is that, you know, what is the best what is the best used Porsche 911 to buy uh, in 2021, 2022, this year? What is the best, you know, Porsche to buy? There's a lot of people out there, people listen to owner stories, people listen to the podcast who haven't got a 911 yet, haven't got a Porsche yet. And I don't want to talk about the Boxster and the Cayman here. I'm just going to talk about, the 911 and the reason being is because some people when they want a Porsche they want a 911 so say you're 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 coming to the market you want a 911 and you know I've I've you know I've spoken about this so many times on owner stories with we we, we always get to this point and you've only got to look at the owner stories the cars that people have been buying and some people are buying at a really good budget you know whether or not you're like Nick from the Classic Series or Jack from Sunburnt Lobster who bought you know their cars from the US air cool from the US got them at a reasonably good price bit of work to be done they've got a bit of patina they've been loved you know the classic car or whether or not you buy a 996 which is a very popular one at the moment uh, or whether or not you buy a 997 you pay a little bit more or you come into the market and you've sold something a little bit more special and you go hey I, I want to spend my first one is I can't afford a new GT3, but maybe I want a 997 GT3. You know, so what is the best used Porsche to buy in 2021 into 2022? I mean, more so 2021 because we know Porsche prices go up in a second. 
Um, I think the market at the moment, it's weird, the car market, you know, like the classic car market, you know, top end, things are selling really, really quickly. I don't know if it can sustain it. I don't know whether it'll keep going. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But anyway, owner's stories made me think about this and made me think about, you know, you know, and I used to have the question, what should I buy? Should I buy a 997 or should I buy a 996? And, you know, we always say, buy the one you can afford. And I think a lot of other people say that too. You know, I'm not I'm not copywriting that saying. It's been said by a lot of other people, but it's quite apparent from our series, our owner's story series, that that's what it is. Passion is strong. Everyone has that passion. Everyone has a story. <clears throat> like I said, the similarities in everyone's story. I mean, the similarities in everyone's story. Um, so what is it? You know, obviously you have to start at the 996 and, you know, the gap is closing on this. So if, you, if you're looking for your first 911, you really do have to move fast. The 996, you can get, you can get cheap, cheap ones. You can get one very cheap, like a flat cap driver did. You can buy a little bit more. I think in the UK, I read something in an article in Total 911 or one of those magazines that, you know, I think 15K, 15,000 pounds was about the spot for a 996, for a reasonable uh, 996. I would say if you're looking at any of these cars, you know, nothing wrong with the early <coughs> automatic. Obviously, the PDK in newer versions is, is it probably a better transmission. Everything gets better with age usually. So I wouldn't, you know, that's probably the reason why. I mean, I would look at, you know, what I'm trying to say is I would look at manuals in these cars. I wouldn't, I would look at the manual transmission. I would look at the stick. Um, I wouldn't look at the autos if it was me. But, you know, you are going to pay more. You are going to pay more for a manual transmission in a 996 and a 997. It is going to cost you more. Um, so you have to bear that in mind, depending on your budget. So obviously the first one, what's the best Porsche 911 to buy in 2021? Obviously the 996. There's nothing, you know, the design is unique now. It's not ugly. The lights have been accepted. Uh, it has IMS issues, which can be rectified, as we know, with a, with a third party, another solution, uh, LN, LN engineering solution. Some people choose not to do it. They just test their oil. Um, there's, other, there's, there's plenty of things to do there. The 996 suffers the IMS, as does the 997, which we'll get into next. But, you know, the 996 has to be the number one one to buy at the moment. And I'm not talking, okay, I want to just, re, I'm not talking about boxers in this, in this thing, and I'm not really talking about air-cooled, even though there's some air-cooled bargains. I'm talking about modern 911s. So we're talking from, we're talking about more modern 911s. I think that's just a better way to do it because some people don't want to get into an air-cooled as their first 911. So let's, we just talk about modern 911. So obviously the 996, the base Carrera 996, you're going to get one at a reasonably good price. Uh, I think they're around 15,000 pounds in the UK. They're around 50 to 70,000 in Australia. One came up in 50,000 the other day in red. It's, you know, high, high kilometers, um, that's the lowest one I've seen. Uh, tan interior, red exterior. It looks like the red that was used in the 993, which I can't remember the name of. It's like that cherry red color. Um, so that just came up. Usually they're around the 65 mark now. I noticed some were creeping up into 77 marks, so they're getting very close to what 997s used to be. But obviously the number 996, you want a 911, you want to do it quickly. Do it now. You're going to miss out if you don't. The 996 are going to dry up. The good ones are going to dry up. The prices are going to go up at the same time. So the second one, you know, in my books is, of course, the 997, which is what I own. I own a 997.1 Carrera. I've had no issues with my car, touch wood. Uh, it's been a very reliable car. My car was a very low kilometer manual version. It only had, when I purchased it, 40,000 kilometers. Um, so it was a very low uh, mileage example. 
Um, I love that car. It's a fantastic car. I'm looking forward to getting back to Sydney mid-year and driving it again, doing videos for you guys and, and doing different sort of podcasts. But from Australia, it's going to be really, really exciting. So that's going to happen hopefully from June, middle of June. Um, so that's going to be a really good thing. But the 997, if you've got a little bit more money to spend, you know, you will have to spend for a manual 997 in Australia. Uh, and those of you who are listening for the first time wonder why I'm saying Australia. It's because that's where I'm, you know, that's where I uh, come from. That's where my house is. That's where my car is. But I also quote in, in, in UK pounds, not so much US dollars because I uh, also, you know, spend a lot of time in the UK. But anyway, 997 Carrera. You know, you can get a Carrera. I think you can get sometimes they come up for around 80. They're, you know, they're around 80,000 now, Australian dollars, 80 to 90,000. Carrera S, depending on the mileage, you might get one in that range, but more likely they're going to be 90 to 110, 120, I think, at the moment. They've kind of jumped up in price, the Carrera S. I remember when I bought my car, a guy that I used to talk to on Instagram and YouTube, he bought one at the same time and he bought a Carrera S almost the same time I bought my Carrera and his Carrera S, his 05 Carrera S was $10,000 less than my car and it was had had probably double the amount of miles. Um, so, they, you know, it's a weird market. You know, I paid more for my car, but my car had lower kilometers, et cetera, and it was a little bit newer. So it's weird. But obviously the 997, you know, it's there. It's still affordable. Um it's getting, you know, I was talking to Nick, who's on the first owner stories, my friend in the UK, and, you know, you can see that the price of 997s is increasing and the supply is getting less. And I see that in Australia. It's obviously the same in in, in UK. It's probably the same in the US. Um, so you have to be quick if you want a 997 because, you know, you'll be able to get one, but the price is going to be a lot higher and there's going to be less to choose from. Um, I think the next one, and you know, if you're looking to buy a 911, if you're looking for your first 911, I don't think you can, if you've got a little bit more money to spend, um, I think you need to look at, you know, we're back to the 996 again, and I think you need to look at the 996 Turbo, and you need to look at the 996 Carrera 4S. Now, both of those cars have gone a little bit insane. I've talked about it on previous podcasts, how I almost bought one a few years back, probably should have. You're looking at a 996 Turbo in Australia in manual, somewhere around, I think you would not get one less than 100,000, maybe 99,000, we'll say. And there are some still available for sale that have been there for a while that people are trying to get. They're around 140, and there's a couple there, a couple of outliers at 160, 165. So they're quite, they're quite expensive. Um, I wouldn't pay 165 for a 996 Turbo. I think if you can get a higher mileage manual for around 100, I think that's a good buy and I would, would take that up. Um, I read there are around 35,000 pounds in the UK. So obviously everything's cheaper in the UK and the US and Australia. Australian prices are much higher. Um, the Carrera 4S, another one which, you know, and I'm only going back 18 months ago, you know, there was plenty around for 60,000 in Australia. There were, there were quite a few that used to come up. There's a lot of autos in the Carrera 4S. It was very popular in the Tiptronic in the auto. Um, manuals are not so easy to come by. Um, but when they did come up, you know, I remember seeing one that was for sale in Chatswood in Sydney and it was 65,000 and had no kilometers. You know, those sort of examples now, you're looking at, you're really looking at around 85,000. I know people are saying, no, 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 you can get one for 80, you can get one for 79. But really the low kilometer manual versions are around 85. Um, I think someone had one even higher. I'm not sure the price in the UK. I'm guessing a Carrera 4S in the UK is similar 
I'm guessing it'd have to be similar to the 996 Turbo price. I don't know, is it 30,000 pounds? Someone let me know. I'm not sure what the price of a Carrera 4S is in the UK, 996. So then you've got the, you know, that's the 996, 997. Now, you know, some people want something a bit more modern. They want a 991. Or maybe they're, they're coming out of a 996 or a 997. They want a 991. A 991 is a good entry into 911 ownership, um, especially if you get an early 991.1. The manuals, the seven-speed manual wasn't the perfect transmission. Uh, there were, you know, people did complain about it. It wasn't, it's not as good as in the point two or in the 992. But in saying that, you know, how bad is it, you know, compared to what, compared to other Porsches? You know, this is the thing you have to be, you have to be really careful when you read all these, you know, re- these reviews and these tests because it, it what are you comparing it to? Um, but the 991.1 Carrera, uh, or Carrera S, but even the 991.1 Carrera, and I've looked at it myself because the 991.1 Carrera, you know, new iteration, more modern, quite nice inside. I like the angled dash setup, you know. Um, PDK is pretty good in the 991.1. Is it something you'd buy a PDK in? Yes, it is. Um, would you buy the 991.1 in a PDK of the manual? I probably would because of what I read about the manual transmission even though i shouldn't believe what i read but i probably would more sway to one point one what's great about a point one well you know my wife doesn't drive she wants to learn to drive she could learn to drive in it you know these are the things that people consider when you're buying a car it, you have to weigh everything up i mean the driving experience would still be fantastic and you can get l- higher mileage 991.1s i think the cheapest one i saw in australia was about one thirty thousand hundred thirty thousand australian dollars the better ones go up to about 175-ish. This is point one, early point ones. When you get into the point twos, they're, they're 200 and above. Not necessarily a Carrera S. You might find a Carrera S for 209, 991.2. So you've got the turbo, uh, the turbo engine when it went to point two. But you can't overlook the 991.1. Uh, it's still a good car. It's a good shape. It's a little bit bigger. It's not too big. You know, and it's it's a good modern alternative. It really is a good modern alternative. I said I wasn't going to talk about air-cooled, but I guess the one that's on everyone's mind at the moment is the 993. It is the 964, but I think it's more than 993. And I think it's because the 993, it kind of went, it didn't go out of favor, but people preferred, people wanted the 964. It was cooler, it was purest, you know, everyone thinks it was the, the one to get. So the 993, I think, suffered slightly because of that. This is just my opinion. Like I said, I'm just, I'm no expert. This is just my thoughts, how I see it. And I think the 993, you know, you could have got one for a reasonable price. I don't know whether you want to buy that as your first 911. Um, maybe you do. Um, your budget would have to be a lot higher. A 993 in Australia in manual, um, you would be looking... I mean, I could be low on this, actually. I think I'm a bit on the low side. You'd be looking at 130 to 160, I would say. I did see one. Actually, they're probably around the 150 mark. It's probably the median is about the 150 mark, I think. And, and I think it's rising very quickly. I think people are sort of turning back to the 993, the manual 993. Carrera 2S, forget about it. Carrera 2S is way too expensive. Carrera 993, Carrera 4S, way too expensive. I'm just talking about the base Carrera here in the 993. Um, I think in the UK, you'd have to budget about 80,000, 80, 80, 85,000 pounds in the UK. So that translates to about, you know, 150,000 in, in Australia. So that's probably about right. You know, but prices change very quickly. I'm not sure if it's the first one you should get into. If you want an air-cooled, you could go earlier. You could get a 70s air-cooled or an 80s air-cooled for probably less money. 
Obviously, different driving experience, possibly more upkeep, possibly not. Um, but they're the choices you have to make. But I just wanted to throw the 993 in because it has slightly changed a bit. Um, and of course, you know, I can't overlook my favorite and, you know, a car that I will have one day is a GT3. For me, the 997.1 GT3 like Steve's, um, you know, this is if you come into the market, you want a 911, you want a Porsche, you got a bit of extra cash and you go straight in. Now, I have spoken to people on Instagram who have done this. A guy in Australia bought a 996, he went straight in and bought a 0.2 GT3. Um, you know, it's not a bad decision. If you have the funds and you know what you want and you want something a little bit more special, I would look at the 997.1 GT3 as like what Steve has. The 997.2 GT3, obviously, I don't, I, I still like it. Uh, Cinelock wheels, slightly different bumpers, etc. You know, slightly changed wing shape. Steve is big, more of a fan of the 0.1. I'm happy to have either. Unfortunately, the 0.2 GT3 is expensive. The one in Australia that I mentioned previous podcast is still sitting there for 325,000. A 0.1 is about 230,000, but they can go down lower than that. Um, you know, 200,000, 190,000, depending on the spec, depending on the kilometers, depending on who's selling it. Um, you just have to be lucky with a lot of these things, depending on who's selling it. It's interesting, actually. I just want to talk about prices, and I find this the most uh, frustrating thing when you're looking at car things online. And I saw this on Porsche Forums Australia that that sort of flagged it. But there was a SC. There's an SC uh, for sale in Australia. I won't say the color because I don't want to pinpoint the guy out. But there's an SC for sale in Australia, <clears throat> and it was sub uh, ninety thousand. I think it was eighty eight thousand. And I saw it, and I thought, wow, that is a really good condition. 911 SC, um, really great condition. Not my color, not my favorite color, but a great, great condition car. Looks well looked after, and it was 88. Fantastic price. Now he's upped it to over 100. I think it's 102 or 103. You really need to be careful when you list a car um, because people can see the history and see the records. There's nothing that, frust- that annoys me even more, and I'm sure it annoys you guys, is that you see a car that's listed, and then all of a sudden someone thinks they're going to get 10 grand more. Sometimes there's more than 10 grand. This has happened before with Porsches where people list them and obviously someone gets in their ear and tells them it should be more. The same thing happened with the 996 Carrera 4S, I think. It was listed for about 87,000 or 89,000 and then they put it up to 99,000. If you're watching these things and you get a you you know you get the email notification or whatever the SMS notification, you can see when these prices change. It's not a really good selling strategy to um to list it and then put the price up. If you're going to sell a 911 or sell any car, you should just sell it at the price and not change that price unless it goes down. All right, so 997.1 or 997.2 GT3, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to throw this in. Then you've got the other ones, the crazy cars. And, you know, this is not really, you know, this is not really how we talk about things on the Portugal podcast. You know, we talk about it's about more, you know, everyday people. And, you know, to me, the 991.1 GT3 RS is not an everyday person if you're buying that car you you have a lot of money to spend you want something hardcore um you know in saying that i like the 991.1 gt3 rs uh it's a great car it's about 330 to 380,000 in australia uh, i think they're about 150 odd thousand pounds in this in the uk you know i would look at the 0.1 gt3 rs under the point two because point two is still too expensive especially in australian market I mean, these are, the, these are the cars you look at. You know, it's, like I said, it's not really our story. It's not really my story. It's something we maybe aspire to. Um, but I just wanted to sort of touch on 911s in this episode that, you know, that, that from, the, from the questions that are reached out and from what people are buying. And obviously the 996 and 997 are the two key ones that people are picking up at the moment. 
more so than air cooled. Um, and like I said, I'm not talking about boxes and Caymans in this. I just want to keep it purely at, at 911s because there are people who are buying, you know, boxes and Caymans as well. But I just want to keep it towards 911s. Um, but obviously, if you if you've got a lot more money and you've you know you want something hardcore, or maybe you've just got a normal family car and you want something hardcore, obviously the 901.1 GD3 RS is is kind of the pinnacle. Um, you know. And I think that's about it. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to talk about the 911Rs, the, you know, the Tourings, the Speedsters, the GT2 RSs, because the price just gets way too high. Um, we're talking about everyday, you know, the, the way to get into Porsche, your first Porsche, and which one should you buy. And I think there's a good, I think from the GT3 down to the 996 Carrera, you know, there's a lot of choices there. I mean, you could throw an air-cooled in. I haven't talked about the 964 because I think the 964 prices have just gone, they've gone up like about another 10 15% in the last few months. Um, 993 is probably going to be the same, so that'll probably have to shift. But, you know, don't overlook the 901.1. Don't overlook the 996. You can still find a bargain if you, if you look hard enough, um, but just don't leave it too long. Get into your Porsche now. Enjoy it. Drive it. Once you've got it, then you can think about getting your next one or adding to it with an air-cooled, which is what we all do. You know, as soon as we get our new car, we're back onto the classifieds. We're back online searching for our next 911. All right, guys, um, I think that's about it today. Uh, I hope you made it through to the end. If you're still here, thank you. Uh, like I said, it's a bit weird without Steve here to, to do our little banter and go backwards and forwards. Uh, I always love having my weekly chat with Steve, so it's, it's kind of odd for me as well. I mean, this is the time when I catch up with him. As you guys know, we're really good mates, so it's uh, it's a bit odd. But um, that's about it. Any questions, reach out to me on Porsche Cooled on Instagram. If you haven't followed Porsche Cooled, uh, just give us a follow on Instagram. You can also hear this podcast, and I know a lot of you guys still do. You can hear this podcast on my YouTube channel, which is Michael Bath. Um, and that's about it. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.